Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley. I'm Haley Tenpass, 521 the time. We're welcoming Nate Baldwin with Appleton Park and Rec this afternoon. Uh, Nate joins us about once a month to talk all varieties of youth sports related topics. Nate, glad to have you back with us once again. Great to be back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. So uh, this afternoon, we're going to talk about a wide variety of things. But uh, I think the first thing we want to start with is uh, the recognition and the award that Appleton Park and Rec just recently received uh, in Washington, D.C., honored uh, as an inaugural play project play champion by the Aspen Institute. First of all, congratulations you. to you and your team. Uh, tell us about the award and really what it means for the department and for youth sports. Sure. Institute Project Play is an initiative I bring up quite often because uh, they were started about five years ago to really start digging into the issue of declining participation in youth sports. And we all know, I think by now we all know, you know, the, the benefits that kids get from participation in sports, the, the educational benefits, the physical benefits, the social benefits. So recognizing that this was starting to reach epidemic levels, um, children falling off, you know, falling off that participation platform, uh, that was concerning enough where the Aspen Institute, which is a, a nonpartisan uh, think tank in Washington, D.C., they really wanted to make this an initiative that they focused on. And so they started this, what's called the State of Play Report, which is an annual report that comes out um, to identify the, you know, identify the problems, provide researched suggestions on how to improve upon it, and um, kind of be a measuring stick from year to year. So, uh, starting this year, uh, the Aspen Institute Project Play wanted to start recognizing organizations nationally uh, that are committed to solving the problem and are finding success uh, in solving the problem. Uh, specifically, they wanted to find organizations that are adhering closely to um, the recommendations that they make on an annual basis. And so uh, they started putting the feelers out nationally, and they ended up identifying 20 uh, inaugural Project Play champions this year, and we were fortunate enough to be named one of those Project Play champions this year. Interestingly, we were the only municipality uh, to make the list, so it was quite a huge honor for us, and um, yes, what the impact of it was locally. I think what it really does is it just lends credibility uh, to the way we've structured our program, the goals we have for ourselves, and uh, the way in which we're trying to attack that problem on a local level. And what do you think some of the, you know, the indicators were that Appleton does that made you st- stand out in the crowd? Sure. I think the best way to explain that is to kind of go through what they're, I keep mentioning these plays and sure. what these plays yeah. are. So the measurable ways in which they um, have identified to, to address the issue of declining youth sports participation is things such as this, asking kids what they want. So when you when you form programs, leading it from a perspective of what do kids want out of the experience. And I think we've done a lot of work on that level. Uh, reintroducing free play. Um, what, what that recognizes is the value, of, um, the value of free play opportunities, creating your own experience to the, your overall development as a, 
as a human, but also as an athlete, uh, the, the importance of free play on creativity, flexibility, things of that nature. Um, we integrate a lot of those concepts into our programs. Encouraging sports sampling, recognizing that specializing in a sport is not healthy for children. Um, so we have committed to uh, a program platform that allows kids to go from one activity to the next to the next without conflict and without overlap. So that that's another way in which we've matched up with that. In place. itself, has to be so beneficial not only to to the kid but to the parents who don't have to worry about getting someone to this practice and then this one and then this one. So much of this is centered around just creating balance for our families, mm-hmm. making, I've said this on air before, but making sports a complement to healthy family life and not overtaking your family life. And that's something we're really committed to. And so, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these um, methods are things that we've put in place with our programs. And I think what really catches the attention of people on a national scale is what the results of those implementations have been. And that's the hard numbers. And the hard numbers is that while youth sports have declined at almost 15 per, a rate of 15% over the last 10 years, our programs in the last four years are up over 60%. And that's a direct result, I believe, of implementing these strategies and best practices that organizations like um, Aspen Institute Project Play identify. You were one of 20 uh, honored, and you got to go to Washington, D.C. Yeah, I did. That's pretty cool. It was pretty awesome. I got to say, I was anxious the entire time I was there because, you know, I'm I'm a youth sports nerd. And so I, you know, I I read a lot. I research a lot. And, you know, all the people that I look up to, all the people that are anyone in the world of youth sports were there that week and were being recognized. Mm -hmm. And that was that was a really crazy feeling for me. But um what an honor. I mean, it's something I'll never forget. And uh, it was just a really cool experience to be in a room with that much energy um, and that much excitement and commitment to solving the problems in youth sports. And did you get to maybe bounce ideas off of other maybe youth departments across yeah. the country and see what worked for them as well? So the first day was kind of the show, uh, the awards, the recognitions, the sessions, the learning opportunities, things of that nature. The second day was actually a, a workshop day where we actually got to sit down at a table with other people like ourselves from around the country, some of which have attempted to implement these things, others which were looking to do it. And so that was a really neat opportunity to share best practices, experiences, um, roadblocks, pitfalls, mistakes that we've made along the way. Uh, That was a really uh, high energy session where, you know, it was was a a lot of encouragement, a lot of inspiration. And it was just really interesting to talk with people from across the country that were committed to the same cause. It's fantastic. We're talking with Nate Baldwin with Appleton Parks and Rec. Uh, I know you were also featured on a on a podcast recently, and you've been getting yeah. uh, feedback from across the globe yeah. from from what you had to say on that podcast as That's well. That's been pretty wild too. So another organization that I mention pretty frequently on this program is the Changing the Game Project, and that's another organization that I follow pretty closely and and adhere to a lot of their concepts and implement a lot of their ideas into our programs. Well, through the years, I've I've gotten to strike up a relationship with their founder. He's a, he's an author by the name of John O'Sullivan. And, uh, he, he wrote a profile about us about a year ago in his changing the game project blog. And at the time he kind of casually mentioned, boy, I'd really like to get you on a podcast at some point. They have a national podcast that they, that they do weekly. Um, and has, you know, huge listenership around the globe, as you mentioned. Um, 
I kind of thought he was just giving me lip service at that point. <laughs> the months came and went. But then about a month ago, he contacted me again. He said, about that podcast, we never did sit down to record that. And so within a week, I found myself recording a session with him. And um, that was a fantastic opportunity. That gave me you know, an hour, hour and 15 minutes to really go in depth about um, some of the things that we've implemented here, how we've tried to change the youth sports culture in the Fox Valley. And that really did strike a chord. I've heard from people, you know, near and far, you know, some in Wisconsin, but, you know, some as far away as San Francisco, um, Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I even had an opportunity to consult with a woman who's involved with a soccer organization in Sydney, Australia, which is crazy. I mean, in my mind, this is crazy that people are, you know, on a global level looking to little Appleton, Wisconsin for inspiration and encouragement on how to how to change the game in their youth sports programs. That's incredible. We're talking again with Nate Baldwin with Appleton Parks and Rec. We have to take a break here, but Nate's going to stick around, and we're going to talk about maybe some of those factors that are keeping uh, maybe our youth from participating in youth sports. That will be coming up in just a few uh, moments here. Uh, Around 540 this afternoon, we'll continue that conversation. But taking a break here, going to get a look at your CBS and local news right after this. You're listening to Focus Fox Valley right here on WHBY. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley. I'm Haley Tenpass. Alongside me is Nate Baldwin with Appleton Parks and Rec. We're talking all about some of their programming they've got going on this season. Also, some awards they recently won. Uh, the Settlers Bank phone lines are also open to 811 But Nate, yeah, we were talking about the podcast you were recently featured on, the award you guys just yeah. won. And you guys do have a link for more information if people want to find out, huh? Yeah, I'm thinking the best place people can go to find information about either one of those things, if they're interested in learning more, if they're interested in listening to the podcast, is probably our Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash Appleton Park Rec. Um, we've, got, we've been posting those things. Both of them have been posted within the last two weeks. So if you scroll back just a little bit, you'll find both of them. Fantastic. Uh, you also are doing signups right now for, for basketball, which I've got to imagine is a pretty uh, popular sport this time of year. It obviously. seems like we hardly knew fall, but here we go into <laughs> winter sports. And yeah, basketball is our big winter sport. So uh, our basketball league has grown by over 100% in the last four years, and we're up another 20%, trending up another 20% uh, this season. But there still is some time to get involved. We've got about a week and a half left in our registration. And uh, this is for kids age kindergarten through eighth grade, actually, so 5 to 14. Um, So if you're looking for a basketball program this winter, we'd love to have you. Uh, We start game play in uh, early January, and we go through the end of February, but time to register is right now. All right, and hopefully you guys have some good luck this year. You won't have to cancel any games because no outdoor fields to uh, to manage. I know you guys had a rough year this year. When, That's the when best it came part to of basketballs. <laughs> it's indoors. So <laughs> if you want to find out more, if you want to get some information about the program, sign up. You can do that right through our website, which is appletonparkandrec.org. Fantastic. Now, Nate, you always send me some interesting articles to review, and we usually take some time to to chat about this. And uh, we're opening up the Settlers Bank phone lines this afternoon if you want to join in on the conversation. Uh, but Nate sent me two articles. We're going to discuss them here. Uh, the first one, something that I'm sure a lot of people can relate with um, when it comes to parental behavior on yeah. the sidelines of your kid's game. Why did you pick this one, Nate? Because I think when people think of the problems in youth sports, this is probably one of the first ones they think about. Parents behaving bad. Badly, um, officials not wanting to officiate because of the abuse they take. Um, I don't think we necessarily have those issues in our programs, but they are prevalent. And 
What this article in the New York Times uh, started to really dig into is what are the reasons behind that? Why is why is parent misbehavior seemingly on the rise? Why is uh, offic- the ability to recruit officials becoming increasingly difficult? What is happening to the youth sports experience that is causing all of these things? And it started to dig into some of those reasons, which were quite interesting. Yeah, a st- 2017 study from the National Association of Sports Officials found here uh, that 40% of officials named parents as the source sure. of unsportsmanlike behavior. Does that number shock you or not, not so much? Not so much. Um, and I think you you need to look no further than what has happened to youth sports in the last 20 years. It has become a money game. Um, the predominant model in a lot of communities is pay to play. Um, if you want your child, if your goal is to get your child in line for competitive success, um, that typically results in a process of trying to find the most competitive team, the most well-trained competitive coaches. Uh, it, it immediately starts the process of ramping up the pressure, ramping up the expectations, ramping up the investment. And what this study found, they mentioned a study in here that actually, uh, I'm trying to find the, the reference here, um, Dr. Travis Dorsch, who is mm-hmm. a professor at Utah State University, did a study in the Journal of Family Relations, which actually found that as the investment in your child's youth sports experience increases, their enjoyment of that experience decreases. So it found an inverse relationship. I guess thinking about that, it shouldn't surprise us, but they were able to put some hard data to it. Um, what do we make of that? I think it really depends on what our goal is for our child's youth sports experience. Um, if our goal is to reap all of the wholesome benefits of youth sports participation, the physical, the educational, the social benefits to our kids, in the hopes of them, uh, in the hopes of that making them a well-rounded adult, uh, is is this the is is the investment is increased investment in that experience going to result in those things? What the data says is it's not. It's going to increase the dissatisfaction in the child. It's going to increase the likelihood that they abandon the sport at an early age, and in the end, what we're really talking about is no matter what our goal is that high level of investment is actually going to do more to prevent achieving either one of those results. Well, I'm sure a child is thinking, who who am I playing for here? Am I playing for my own enjoyment or am I playing for my parents who have told me numerous times about the amount of money they are putting into me to play this sport? And kids are perceptive. Kids know that if you're spending a ton of money on this sports experience, if you're spending four to five days a week on the field um, participating in the experience, they, they can make the connections there. Kids are not dumb. Um, they understand that mom or dad is putting a lot into this and that as a result, their expectations of what they're going to get out of this is also probably high. And what does the child do? They internalize that. They put pressure on themselves. They set ridiculous, unattainable expectations on themselves. Um, so the, the sport is no longer about the fun. It's no longer about enjoying the experience and trying to reap the rewards from that experience. It's about achieving a result that will please mom or dad. And that's not a healthy thing. Well, the number here, the the reported spending average uh, a year, this is just for a year, was uh, $1,583.89. They're saying that's about 10% of a family's gross annual household income just for sports activities. So that was the average spending of the 163 uh, parents that they interviewed for yeah. this study. What's interesting is that national estimates of what a typical family spends on their youth 
uh, their youth sports endeavors is actually quite a bit more. It's really? about $600 more than that. It's in the neighborhood of $2,200. So this actually came out a bit low, which was interesting. But still, think about that. $1,600 a year for a single child sports participation, that's a lot of money. And if you have more than one child, I mean, it, it adds up, I'm sure. But it also brings into the conversation uh, income disparity and the ability of a family to participate who may not have the means to support spending like that. Mm. So what do you think your biggest takeaway from this was? And I think the biggest takeaway of this for me is that we really need to consider what our goal is for our child's youth sports experience. And we need to, we need to think about whether that is a, um, a healthy goal or an unhealthy goal. I think what we can all agree upon is that there are tangible benefits to participation in sport. It keeps us physically active. Um, it, it relieves stress. It provides healthy, um, healthy development for our children. It, it promotes leadership, all of these things. And if we can take our minds off of the result for just a moment, if we can forget about whether they're going to make the varsity team, if we can forget about for the moment whether they're going to attain that college scholarship for sports, if we can focus on the healthy outcomes, um, I think then we can take an objective look at this and, and see that if we overinvest in that experience when they're young, we're actually going to do more harm than good. We need to be reasonable about our child's sports endeavors. We need to, like I mentioned earlier, it needs to be a, a healthy complement to their life. It needs to not take over their life. Hmm. And I know we mentioned the t the title of this article is why sports parents sometimes behave so badly. And we are lucky in this area. You probably don't see this happening too often, but when it does happen, you know, maybe what steps are you able to take yeah. to uh, maybe figure out maybe the, what's behind <clears throat> it or maybe what do you do as, as a department to maybe stop it? I think the reason it doesn't happen too often in ours is because we, we get out in front of it so aggressively. Um, and we, you know, I've mentioned on the program before how we lead with our core values, and our two of our biggest core values are inclusion and family balance. Um, we are not trying to drive an approach where we select the best and discard the rest. We want the benefits of sports to be available to all kids. We want to eliminate that income disparity gap um, as, as a reason why families wouldn't participate. We want to eliminate that skillability gap as a reason why someone wouldn't participate. So we're doing whatever we can up front to promote inclusion. And we're also trying to make sure that our programs retain that family balance. So that means in the end, our costs are low, um, our commitment levels are reasonable, and it makes the experience about joy for the child. It makes it a joyful experience, a rewarding experience. And so we, we don't see these kinds of reactions from families. The investment is reasonable, and so the behaviors are reasonable. Um, and I, I, wish I, could, I wish I could pinpoint examples for you of where parents have strayed from that. The only one I can think of are just, you know, they're just random examples where maybe a parent was getting a little overly vocal on the sideline. But what's amazing is that our parents will be the first ones to stand up and confront it. It's very rare that a supervisor or myself has to get involved. Um, parents are so defensive of this atmosphere that we've created through the years. They're so um, supportive of that environment that we create on the field and on the court that they see the danger of something like that taking root, and they take it upon themselves to protect it and redirect a parent who's behaving in that way that 
that's not how we do things here. That's not what this program is about. This is what this program is about. It's about the kids. Hmm. You said work-life balance. That's healthy. It's almost like we need to have a life-life balance too. You know, to sure. make sure that all pieces to the puzzle are are you know doing well together. And it's great to see that you guys in the Park and Rec Department are putting these things in place to make sure that our kids are healthy, number one, and, and happy. And it resonates in the community. This is what parents want. Um, you know, there's a lot of anxiety about youth sports out there. And uh, when, when it doesn't feel right, you feel it right in your gut. Um, so when we can come along and we can promote this idea of a healthier approach, approach to youth sports, and the data and the research is in our favor that this is healthier for kids and it actually leads to better athletic outcomes, there isn't a parent out there who's not ready to hear that message. We're talking with Nate Baldwin with Appleton Parks and Rec. We will post a link to this article over at whby.com if you'd like to read more into it. But Nate, as always, appreciate your insight and your knowledge on on, on youth sports topics. I uh, want to extend a congratulations to you and your department on the recent award. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's a phenomenal honor and we're lucky to have you here in the Appleton area. Uh, and we'll have you back again next month to talk some more sports. Always look forward to it. Thanks again. All right. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be back with what's coming up next week on Focus Fox Valley. That's next on WHBY. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.